Hello and welcome back to Additive Snack, the podcast that's engineered to inspire and educate you on your additive manufacturing journey. As always, I am Fabian Ahlefeld, your host, and I'm also the leader of the Additive Minds Consulting and Academy teams for EOS in North America. Today's episode is a very special episode for two reasons. First and foremost, we are joined by the incredible Rich Stump, co-founder and CCO at Fathom. Fathom is an on-demand digital manufacturing service provider that recently announced it's going public. Very exciting news. Rich and Fathom have been at the forefront of the AM revolution for more than a decade. That means he'll be sharing insights that only a true additive manufacturing leader could know. The second special thing about this episode is, Rich is our first in-studio guest at Additive Snack. We're so excited to welcome him here in person, and it's awesome to have a live in-studio guest after the past couple years. Live and in person, I'll be talking to Rich about how Fathom has evolved alongside the additive manufacturing's capabilities. We'll talk about how Fathom is helping its customers learn how to design for additive manufacturing, how gateway applications can help new companies adopt additive manufacturing, and where the AM industry and Fathom are headed in the future. Rich, first of all, welcome to Additive Snack and especially welcome to our first face-to-face episode, which is uh, yeah, super exciting to have you uh, from Fathom here. Um, welcome to, to the show. Actually face-to-face, it's been a long time. I know, I know, this is, uh, this is a really good experience. So Rich, Fathom is such a great example for the successful growth of additive manufacturing and the whole industry. And it's actually set to ring the bell at the New York uh, uh, Stock Exchange. Tell us a bit about your journey and Fathom's journey. How did you get there? Yeah, sure. So uh, my background, I, I grew up in a, a family of engineers, both mechanical and electrical. And uh, I went to business school. And when I graduated, uh, I moved to the Silicon Valley, started working with a uh, manufacturer of printed circuit boards, high density interconnect, really high mm-hmm. layer count, high technology circuit boards. Um, And it was there I learned about contract manufacturing, especially electronics and how companies adopt that during their product development process. Um, So I started my career in sales of of contract manufacturing electronics and then moved into uh, enterprise software. I worked in the PTC community around the the product at the time. It was called Pro Engineer Mm -hmm. and worked with a lot of high technology companies adopting, you know, really CAD and data management at the time. PLM wasn't really around product lifecycle management. So I learned about how companies create their products and their product development process. Uh, we did we did a fair amount of, of consulting, mapping out you know how a company goes through that journey of of developing their products. So I learned a lot you know at that uh, at that point in my career. And then I was recruited to work for Ansys on the simulation okay. side. So mm-hmm. you know at that point it was really on the virtual side of product development with enterprise software. And Ansys, um, you know, it's it's a software that's used to uh, virtual test products through finite element analysis. And I worked with a lot of large companies, um, companies like Boeing, Nike, mm-hmm. um, you know, HP, and really adopting these these uh, new technologies for many of these companies of finite element analysis on how they can virtually prototype their products um, using the software. And then it was there I learned about this technology of 3D printing or additive manufacturing, okay. as, as uh, a lot of us call it. And um, I was fascinated with the technology that you could create a physical product, you know, very quickly. And at the time, it was mostly uh, prototyping applications. 
And so I knew I wanted to get involved in this exciting technology. So mm -hmm. I found, um, you know, we, we were introduced to through a mutual friend through a company called Object, okay. uh, based yeah. in Israel that a lot of us know very well. And we um, we were their first North American distributor for their desktop printer product. And so we started our journey in additive uh, and started the business around, you know, distributing object machines. Mm -hmm. And then object and Stratasys merged. So then we were introduced uh, to FDM technology because object was, you know, a polymer jetting technology. And so we started selling machines, um, you know, working with uh, many of the companies that I had worked with earlier in my career. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, it's mostly most of the applications at the time were prototyping. And uh, what we learned is that in order for this technology to be adopted, you know, to, to bring equipment in-house of these customers, especially we're, we're mostly focused on the West Coast with technology-based customers, uh, that we needed to produce more parts for them so they could see the applications themselves. So we decided to start, you know, what many of us call a service bureau, mm -hmm. making parts for customers, uh, which then provided us an opportunity to sell more machines as we, you know, made uh, prototype parts for these customers <clears throat> as a service you know, they then would, would purchase more machines. So um, we started the company in 2008, and in 2011, we built out our first production center making parts in Oakland, California. Wow. And then we opened uh, another production center in Seattle um, to both sell equipment as well as provide services of, of parts. And um, we grew the company very fast. So we were, um, you know, from 2011 really to 2018, we we're one of the fastest growing companies in North America, uh, cited by Forbes magazine and Inc. magazine seven years in a row. So that's awesome. Um, we were working with these customers, trying to you know introduce them to these three D printing technologies. As the time came on, we added more additive technology. So we started with PolyJet polymer jetting, and then we moved to FDM, and then we brought on SLS from from EOS and many other um, additive technologies along the way, mostly in plastics at the time. Mm -hmm. And the company was growing very quickly. So in in 2018, um, you know, as you know, some of the equipment, uh, especially on the additive side, is, is um, expensive, especially when you get into the large industrial machines. Sure. So we needed access to capital. So we decided um, to actually sell off the Stratasys distribution business in 2018 to a company called Go Engineer, mm -hmm. who's in the kind of the reseller community, one of the one of the large uh, distributors. And then in 2019, uh, we sold the services business, the parts business, to uh, a private equity firm based in Chicago that fo focuses on North American North American manufacturers, mm -hmm. and um, since we've put together this platform, uh, we've acquired thirteen um, companies under the under the Fathom Manufacturing platform, really around both traditional manufacturing and additive manufacturing. So, you know, I'm really passionate about this industry, not only on the additive side but uh, advanced manufacturing in general, mm -hmm. and how we can think differently to use new technologies to solve interesting problems, really to accelerate and innovate the product development process. That's such an interesting story. And, you know, I think it shows how, A, you've seen all facets of additive and advanced manufacturing from, from the software side, from the user side, from the production side. Uh, you kind of grew with the industry from, you know, smaller systems to large scale industrial additive manufacturing machines, metal and polymer technologies. What separates Fathom from other additive manufacturing companies? How do you guys differentiate yourselves and how to use that to your own advantage? Yeah, I think what really separates Fathom and the way we approach you know, advanced manufacturing is, is 
we are very outcome focused, mm-hmm. meaning we we are open to all manufacturing processes, whether it's additive manufacturing or traditional manufacturing. We focus on what the customer is trying to achieve and solving that problem through using a wide variety of our 25 manufacturing processes. So I'm a firm believer that it's not just additive. You know, we're, we're in this big ecosystem of traditional manufacturing that's been around for, for so many years. And as you know, new additive tools come out, it's about using additive alongside traditional manufacturing really mm-hmm. to solve the right problem for the right application. And so, you know, we're, we're technology neutral or agnostic, meaning, you know, we don't um, try to push one technology, whether it's additive or traditional to the customer, really trying to understand what they're trying to solve for mm-hmm. and then looking at the best material for their application and the requirements and supporting that. And oftentimes what we find is it's using additive alongside traditional manufacturing together um, to really solve the problems efficiently for that customer. Super important uh, message here. And I think a lot of organizations, especially additive manufacturing system OEMs, push the wrong message. And I think that message that you're trying to send is additive manufacturing is just part of a whole manufacturing ecosystem. It's just a tool for in a toolkit. Right? Exactly. And that's also, I'm a strong believer in that it needs to be approached for the challenges that it can actually solve and where it can add value. Do you have an example of a project that your organization worked with a customer where you really used additive manufacturing to solve a unique challenge and possibly even added additional value by adding additive manufacturing as a manufacturing technology? Yeah, I guess I'll say first, you know, one of the biggest challenges we have in, in the industry in general is really talking about a lot of the work that we do, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, being under NDAs and, and working with companies that uh, really see this as a you know some intellectual property, it's hard to evangelize a lot of the projects we do. Sure. But, Uh, there is a project that comes to mind where we worked with a uh, Fortune 10 technology company. Okay. And uh, they were going through what's called an EVT build, so an engineering validation build. And I think you know, it'd be interesting to talk a little bit more about how we can use additive kind of to introduce more production applications um, short term as, as the technology and adoption grows. But in this specific example, uh, the customer was trying to build its first units uh, to really validate the product. They, they thought this could be a multi-billion dollar a year product for the company. Wow. It had access all the way up to the CEO mm-hmm. of the business. And they needed 20,000 parts in 30 days, uh, a month time frame, to, uh, to hit their product development timeline. So they had a very critical um, you know, timeline uh, to launch this new product. And they were trying to figure out how can they get these 20,000 parts in 30 days. So we worked with the customer and understood all the requirements of each individual component in the assembly. And we used 12 different manufacturing processes to make 20,000 parts in 30 days, which consisted of uh, we made 55 injection mold tools uh, to mold uh, 15,000 parts. And we did that in just a couple weeks. Um, we used three different additive technologies um, at the time in, in plastics, mm-hmm. so three different polymer additive technologies to make different components. Um, and then we used a wide variety of, of metal fabrication techniques, whether it was sheet metal or CNC or other traditional manufacturing methods. And the, the methodology there is kind of what I was explaining earlier. It's really outcome focused, understanding what the requirements of each component were, what the timeline requirements and looking at, you know, the geometries of, of um, you know, that were the sub assemblies, the components in the assembly 
and really trying to pick the best manufacturing process to hit that timeline for the customer. So where parts were complicated in shape that mm-hmm. would require you know a more complicated injection mold tool um, with a lot of action in the tool, we would uh, we would typically use additive, right? Because that's a strength of additive. So sure. it's about looking at the strengths and weaknesses of these individual manufacturing processes, whether it's traditional or um, you know additive and uh, choosing the right process to solve the right problem. And that, that's an example of that. So yeah, we made 20,000 parts in I think 27 days um, for this customer to hit their critical um, timeline product launch. Perfect example. And perfect example also of, of using the, the agility of additive manufacturing, right? And the agility that it adds to a full process chain in order to make a whole manufacturing process a bit more a bit more agile. Yeah, that's I mean that's one great thing of additive, right? The the agility it brings to um, the product development process in general, yeah. which is very relevant today with all of the supply chain challenges we're having, mm-hmm. and you know customers are having trying to to make components quickly and and introduce agility into their supply chains. You know, additive is a great tool set. You know, the, the application has to make sense. Uh, you know, whether it's additive technology itself or the material, but um, there's a lot of interesting applications and, and additive brings a great agility to, um, and even in not talking about additive, just in tra- traditional manufacturing, you know, when I started my career, if you look at talking about the software side, I would say today more than ever, we have access to technologies at price points and ease of use that in the past were either very expensive or very hard to use which brings a lot more agility to the whole product development process. Think about, you know, CAD um, back in the day, you know, it would be $50,000 for a CAD license. You know, I have a, a nephew who's a freshman in high school using Tinkercad, creating geometries and understands, you know, how to design parts for uh, resolution to get the best parts off the additive ma- machines or find an element analysis, you know, that, that was very expensive technology or 3D scanning or think about all these technologies that used to be very expensive and hard to use. It took an expert in that field to use. And so as we've broken down these barriers of product development using both software and manufacturing tools, it's really enabled agility into the development process. And additive obviously is a great um, example of that. It is a great example. And also reminds me of something that you uh, mentioned to me a while back, and that is one of the limitations of growth of additive manufacturing is the human itself, right? Right. How does Fathom approach that challenge? How do you help your customers and your clients change their mindset towards additive manufacturing? Yeah, I actually wrote uh, a few years ago, I wrote, a, wrote an article about you know really changing our mindset, stepping out of your comfort zone to adopt new technologies, um, specifically additive. And I think in our case at, at Fathom, we really approach, like I mentioned earlier, this outcome-focused uh, methodologies and I think in order for the industry and, and I think we would all agree to to move forward in, in you know a big way we need to uh, change our mind, mindset and get the introduction of additive into um, you know specific applications for customers to adopt them so the way we approach it is you know we do some uh, we do some training so we have a, a design for additive training that really introduces some of the uh, you know new technologies to the customer it, it gives them a, a brief explanation of all the technologies that are out there, all the software tools that are out there to design for additive. And so we try to take a more of a educational approach for the customer. Uh, many times it takes actual applications and looking at specific applications for them, mm-hmm. for them to understand, okay, now I get this material or this process and how I can use it for a specific application. 
But I, I would just say in general, I think that's one of our biggest challenges and, and probably in my opinion, the biggest weakness of the growth of the industry is really awareness and education. And so, you know, as we've seen new kind of uh, engineers come into the workforce mm -hmm. that had access mm -hmm. to additive tools, um, you know, whether at university or, or sometimes now you see them in high schools, even elementary schools, which is amazing. Um, we're seeing that adoption kind of grow. It's, I think it's been slow growth yes. um, for, for a lot of us in the industry. And, and I feel like the hype of 3D printing years ago helped to bring awareness to the world. But in some ways, I think it, it dampered a little bit the education in, in the industrial community for adoption. But, uh, you know, I'd say over the last couple of years, I'm really excited about where we are in the industry now and, and that kind of education for customers to, to now realize these technologies and where they can use them and their development process um, to really innovate, you know, advanced manufacturing. Yeah, really good point. And I think, you know, when, when I look at, especially at the education of, of, of engineers and future engineers, there's to me two challenges that the industry is facing today and is starting to understand how to approach them. There's the professional education you guys developed your DFAM training, how to how to think additively, how to approach problems differently through the new design opportunities that additive manufacturing has to offer. Uh, but there's, of course, a lot of other sectors in professional education from how do I qualify a additive manufacturing process? Um, how do I create uh, parts with additive manufacturing by limiting uh, support structures, develop new processes, and so on and so forth? There's a lot of the education for professionals that needs to happen but also and that's i think even possible right? yeah yeah it is it is very overwhelming and what's interesting though and you mentioned that just a second ago is that <clears throat> this new generation that's coming out of college they are getting coming out of college and oftentimes have a additive manufacturing mindset already right they do have uh, additive manufacturing systems uh, in university in college uh, they get that mindset and they are not as limited as current engineers. So I'm actually also very curious to see what the industry will do once uh, this new wave, this new generation of engineers comes into the workforce because, you know, currently the manufacturing industry itself already has a gap of 500,000 uh, open jobs, right, in the United States alone. And that's expected to grow to 2 million uh, jobs a year. So I think additive manufacturing can actually be this cool technology that pulls people again into being interested in the manufacturing industry versus only going into into tech and into digital um, uh, uh, job profiles. Software development or exactly. robotics or some other applications. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think back and if you look at you know, the whole kind of uh, crossing the chasm from analog to digital, mm -hmm. even let's take CAD, for example, um, you know, back in the day, you would have, you know, CAD engineers. And typically when we saw, you know, going from 2D to 3D, that, that evolution, uh, I'm seeing the same kind of thing with additive, right? Like the introduction of these technologies on the CAD side, you have, like I said earlier, my nephew is a freshman in high school now using CAD and, and creating geometries that could be additive manufactured. Yeah. Where, you know, years ago, CAD was only used by specific people that had a lot of expertise. It was very expensive, it was hard to use. You know, and additive is kind of falling that same wave. We're starting to see the introduction of these technologies, not only to universities, but mm -hmm. even high schools and, and you know, even mm -hmm. 
yeah. uh, you know, younger yeah. kids are getting access to, you know, MakerBots or, or desktop level printers. So that awareness and education will hopefully see that same evolution that we saw kind of in CAD. For sure, for sure. And where do you see the future of additive manufacturing? We just talked about the future of, of the workforce. How do you see the whole industry grow over the next uh, two to five years? Well, if I could predict the future, you know, I would be uh, <laughs> not sitting with you here today. Yeah, but yeah. I would say, um, you know, I'm like I said earlier, I'm really excited about it. I see that we need in order to get the further adoption and acceleration of, of that adoption um, of additive specifically, we need gateway applications. We need that education to customers to understand where they can use these tools, like you said earlier, to really accelerate and bring agility into their, their process. And in order for that to happen, we need to find what I call gateway applications, whether that's, you know, and I think back in the early 2000s with Stratasys and 3D systems and some of, you know, the FDM and polymer technologies um, and, and those technologies being used for jigs, fixtures, tooling applications. That was a great kind of introduction into production, right? Mm -hmm. Companies were using these technologies for uh, a product, we call it a production application because it sits in the manufacturing floor, <clears throat> but it wasn't, you know, end use parts mm -hmm. um, per se. And so that was a kind of what I call a gateway application. I, I see today a lot of customers using additive for what I call bridge to production applications. Mm -hmm. the, the example I gave earlier of that Fortune 10 technology would be kind of, in my opinion, an example of a bridge to production application. They're going to go probably into traditional manufacturing at some point, given the volumes. Sure. But is there applications to use additive along the way so they can learn about additive and, and where to use it? and then slowly evolve into to producing end use parts. And so I really think it's about finding specific applications where it makes sense, whether material or process, and really getting that introduction and awareness to customers so they can evolve as an industry to more you know, downstream production applications. If we look at the current challenges that we're facing, not only as the United States, but as other uh, countries in a post COVID or if we're still in COVID world, I don't even know how to describe it, but <laughs> These days it's, yeah, it's very muddy. Yeah. Yeah. Where are we? But you know, the supply chain challenges that we have, I do strongly believe that out of manufacturing can be one of the solutions to create a more agile, resilient supply chain in the future. And I think, and what you just mentioned makes perfect sense to me. You know, additive manufacturing doesn't have to be the only technology and application is going to be produced along its whole life cycle or the product life cycle, right? Short tail production, ramp it up, see how the consumer demand or the customer demand reacts. If the demand increases and the business case changes from additive to a conventional manufacturing technology, we flip the switch, go into any CNC injection molding. And then we have the long tail uh, again, where you know now this application or this uh, whole product is uh, not being sold to consumers anymore, but there's uh, the right to repair, uh, which is going to come up spare also parts. in the United right. States, spare parts. And then we flip the switch again to additive manufacturing. So I think you know embracing the agility of additive manufacturing also will hopefully not only help the additive manufacturing industry grow, but will help the whole manufacturing industry to become more resilient and uh, more adaptable to a continuously changing future. Yeah, I think if we look at, you know, there's, there's, there's not one customer we talk to today that's not talking about the supply chain challenges, yeah. right? I think even, 
you know, our parents, our grandmothers know what, what uh, supply chain disruption is these days, yeah. um, given everything that's going on in the media. But uh, I think this provides another acceleration point for additive manufacturing for customers to start looking at new technologies to solve problems. In this case, it's, you know, supply chain disruption so they can recognize revenue and ship product. I mean, most of the customers these days, it's not a problem of demand. Mm-hmm. The demand is there. It's a problem of how do I get supply of parts sure. to uh, fulfill that demand. So, um, you know, just recently we had a customer in the industrial space um, that was using injection molding. They couldn't get access to materials, raw materials, because of the supply chain disruptions we're seeing on, on the materials these days. And so they had a line down situation and they needed um, you know, thousands of parts to keep the lines going until they can get access to this material to resume their injection mold tools to get production parts off those tools. Mm-hmm. So we made 500 parts overnight using SLS technology, so um, you know, a polymer plastic mm-hmm. additive technology, and then we made 500 parts every day, and they actually flew a private jet to pick up wow. those parts to avoid a line down situation. So here's an example where we're using traditional manufacturing and production, mm-hmm. right? But we can get access to resin. So we, we lean to additive because it's agile, it's fast. And, and for this component, it made sense for, for the technology of, of SLS. And so they used it as a, another bridge, like I was mentioning earlier, or a gap until they can get access to resin. So they went injection molding, SLS, additive, and then back to injection molding to resume to, to avoid line down situations and really get the, the, you know, to be able to ship their products. So there's all kinds of applications today with the supply chain disruption. I don't think there's there's one executive I don't talk to that's not talking about agility within their supply chain, mm-hmm. simplification, localization, reshoring, you know, all of these strategies are shifting because this, you know, what's happened over the last two years has really driven com- companies to think differently about how they produce their products from a supply chain perspective. So, again, I think we're at a, a great acceleration point for additive in the adoption and awareness where it can fit in to solve these problems, given, you know, what we're going through today. For sure. And what advice would you give to an employee out there? It may be an engineer. It may be a supply chain manager. It may be somebody from procurement who wants to implement additive manufacturing but is struggling for various reasons that we discussed earlier. It's sometimes difficult to find a business case, uh, you know, education of the engineering team isn't there or there's just not a lot of trust in additive manufacturing as a viable manufacturing technology. What advice would you give such an employee to help his or her company to implement additive manufacturing successfully? Switching manufacturing processes on an existing product is very difficult, um, especially larger companies, right? Going to trust a new manufacturing process, the validation that has to happen in order to introduce that new process. So um, that's one of the challenges we have as an industry is how do we get the, you know, the adoption of, of these applications? So what I would say to customers is really find a, an easy win. Mm-hmm. I think what I see in a lot of organizations is they, you know, they swing for the fence for, you know, a really high value application. And oftentimes if that doesn't follow through and be successful, the organization takes a step back from, from an adoption perspective, because within that organization, the culture then is, you know, additive isn't there yet, or it's mm-hmm. not mature enough to use for, you know, production parts, but there's plenty of applications. I mean, we talked about jigs, fixtures, and, and that's a kind of a, a no brainer. Um, that's been used you know really for for 20 years 
um, or, or close to thereof, but it's finding the, an easy application mm-hmm. that you can prove success and it's the incremental wins that gets that introduction of success to the organization and then building upon that. And so oftentimes when, when I tour you know, factories or meet with customers and, and just have an open-ended conversation to try to understand what are the challenges they're having, whether it's you know, today with supply chain of certain components or you know, if there's any other lead time issues with traditional manufacturing or any you know, geometry constraints or what are the problems or challenges they're having, mm-hmm. and then find an application that's kind of a, 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 an, easy, uh, an easy win and then build upon that. Because you've got to build that culture of adoption. And in order to do that, you got to change the mindset of the organization to adopt a new manufacturing process. I think with traditional manufacturing, we're so used to the constraints of traditional mm-hmm. manufacturing, designing around those strength constraints. And now you have new processes where it's limitless from a geometric perspective, right? You have this total freedom of design. And I almost think it crutches people. It's like the idea that I can design any shape and manufacture that shape is, is kind of uh, overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And we've been designing around these traditional manufacturing constraints, whether it's an undercut for, you know, injection mold <clears throat> tool or whatever the case may be, CNC, you know, constraint. So I think it's looking at what are some potential applications, but more importantly, what are some that we know will be successful and then mm-hmm. build upon that. Yeah, yeah. Very good advice. We do oftentimes see organizations overshooting with additive manufacturing as a first application. And then there's two challenges with that. A, there's no existing experience within the company, um, which means shooting for the stars means a very long project with a lot of frustration where even though you may end up at the at a production application in the end, it will require a lot of resources and uh, a lot of frustration within the team. And, the team, and if it isn't successful, it takes the organization, it sets back the organization because then, you know, we tried it. Exactly, it exactly. And now you have probably a five-year gap until you try again. Correct. Right, right. And then you miss the opportunities that additive manufacturing could really offer to your to your organization. Yeah, tooling is still a great application. I mean, um, talk about like conformal cooling. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're making millions of parts through a, a multi-cavity injection mold tool and you're trying to bring down uh, your cycle times and scrap times, you can now uh, print metal uh, inserts into that multi-cavity tool to design some channels to cool that part that could never be um, you know, manufactured traditionally with traditional cooling lines to bring down the cycles and the scrap time, which adds a lot of value, right? If you can, in some case, you're making a million parts and bring down the cycle time by a fraction of a second and the scrap from you know 5% to, to zero, there's a lot of value there. So there's sure. a lot of different applications um, for additive and it's it's about finding, and that's what, what I what I try to do in, in our organization is like, where, where does it make sense and in introducing that application? Like I said earlier, where, where we know it'll it'll succeed and mm-hmm. not overshooting as you mentioned, because that's, that's a challenge. Awesome, so if you're a employee out there who's trying to understand how to implement additive manufacturing, use this advice, Start with a low-hanging fruit. Don't go too big in the beginning. Start with existing materials that you're comfortable with today. And then as the next application, step into some more unknown territory and then start really pushing the the capabilities and the value that additive manufacturing can bring. Rich, this was such great advice. Thank you so much for sharing all of your experience and your knowledge on additive snack because 
to me, in the end, by sharing your expertise as an industry leader, you're significantly helping to grow the additive manufacturing industry. And that really helps us all. So thank you for your openness. And it was a pleasure having you on Additive Snack. Yeah, I'm really excited about the industry. I think we're, you know, like I said, at an inflection point of adoption and there's new materials coming out. The, the industry's getting bigger. It's getting more exciting. I think, uh, you know, the future is bright for all of us. So thanks for having me. I appreciate it. For sure. And uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. It's time to recap some of the big takeaways from today's episode. The first one that jumped out to me is don't mistake the human learning curve for limitations of AM. As Rich explained, Fathom helps its customers to understand the intricacies of designing for AM. He also suggests beginning your AM journey with a simpler application. You see, many people mistake failure as a shortcoming of AM. While in many cases, it's really about the time and effort needed to learn entirely new end-to-end -end processes. Second, additive manufacturing is an enabler of agility. It's helping organizations to become more agile and solve problems more effectively. For the past few years, AM has helped companies work around supply chain challenges. But don't stop there. By exploring AM as a stopgap solution, you can overcome temporary disruptions. But you can also discover long-term solutions to manufacture more effectively. And lastly, the best way to implement AM effectively is to begin with an easy win. You can explore higher value applications down the road, but it's important to learn the fundamentals of additive manufacturing and the design process around it, including post-processing, validation, and all the other critical steps first. So find success first, and then build upon it. I'd like to thank Rich for joining us today and sharing his incredible insights. We're looking forward to more in-studio guests this season and having live interactions with them. But we're also looking forward to your feedback. Is there a topic or guest that you're excited to hear about on Additive Snack? If so, drop us a line at additive.snack at eos-na.com and share your big ideas. On the next episode, we have another incredible guest lined up. I'll be joined by none other than NASCAR champion Brad Keselowski. But NASCAR isn't Brad's only passion. When he isn't driving a stock car around the track at 200 miles an hour, he's the owner and founder of Keselowski Advanced Manufacturing. And his company is on a mission to spearhead a modern day industrial revolution with innovative advanced manufacturing solutions. It's going to be an amazing episode, so be sure to join us. Until next time, be sure to also subscribe to Additive Snack in the podcast app of your choice. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Fabian Alefeld, and I'll see you next time at Additive Snack.